This podcast series has been made possible through an exclusive sponsorship from SA's number one nano-influencer platform, The Salt. Most brands have a communication line to their existing customers, but not a way to get them to have additional positive brand conversations. The Salt solves the problem by identifying brand fans and getting them to talk more about their positive brand experiences. The Salt have a database of over 140,000 registered brand fans and in-depth information on each to perfectly match your brand to the right influencers. Reach out to them now and see what they can do for you. Hi, I'm Gordon Muller. I'm the guru in the Doc and Guru podcast. Thanks for being with us. For those of you who don't know me, I've spent over 40 years in the media industry in South Africa and uh, pretty much made it my home, my life, my passion. I have other passions, unfortunately, for my sins. I'm an Arsenal supporter and a Shark supporter, so we're going to do pretty much everything on the show as it pertains to media, marketing and money, but we don't take jokes about Arsenal or the Sharks. I'm Doug Matthias, uh, the doc on the show. Uh, and again, for those of you who don't know me, I've I spent 30 years in, in uh, various companies in South Africa uh, running uh, different marketing functions. And the last job I had, I was privileged in, enough to work with a team that took uh, the brand to the fastest growing brand in South Africa in 2018 with a 47% year-on-year growth. So that was a, a great achievement uh, for the team and, and, and I'm really proud of that. Uh, from a personal point of view, I do a little bit of cycling uh, and also snow skiing. So we quite enjoy that. But again, uh, today's discussion is around all things marketing and media. Yep, that's right, Doc. All things marketing and media. No subject too big, no topic too small, no subject too hot to handle. Please get in touch with us on our Facebook page, follow us, like us, whatever it takes. We would love you to be involved with the show and uh, we really want to make it as inclusive and as energetic as I know this industry is capable of. Hey Gordon, another week, another podcast. How are you going? Really good. I'm looking forward to this podcast, Doc. Not least of all, I see you've got three textbooks on the uh, <laughs> studio table. I think uh, I'm getting a bit edgy here. I think you might be going technical on me today. Uh. <laughs> no, uh, just in obviously researching a topic, which uh, I know you'll introduce and in our fantastic guest, just to show you that I've pulled out some books of yesteryear and that, you know, although things change, they stay the same. So, uh, yeah, you know, not, a, not an absolutely new topic, but one that's uh, important nonetheless well i'm impressed by the textbook because it looks like they've been thumbed through it looks like you're actually reading <laughs> i think, I, think mind were I think i may have bought a second hand book <laughs> I, I resold mine back in the condition in which uh, i bought them from the, the store when i was a student i can assure you very little reading going on there but uh we've got with us another graduate of the marketing uh industry um alik mishlangu who is the media senior media a data and analyst from Ornico. We've had Ornico on yeah. before. And we're going to talk to, to Alec today about reputation management and how do you go about mm. tracking reputation these days mm. and, and what you do with uh, the data that you find. So, Alec, thanks for joining us this morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, Doc. Good morning, Gordon. Thank you for having me on your show. Where do you go with it, Doc? 
uh, yeah, Gordon, I think for me it's it's a holistic thing, you know, and I think Alec will talk a little bit about, you know, today's uh, sort of uh, vogue of, of digital, but it's not only that, you know, and I think if you look around, and, and the point I was making earlier about those textbooks, and we'll get into them, is around the notion of, of holistic bu- business management. I mean, the, the age-old notion is, you know, the business of business is business. Uh, has long changed, you know, to more of a stakeholder sort of engagement model as opposed to just shield of wealth maximization, which was certainly the mantra uh, of yesteryear. So I think for me, it's always been about a broader thing. And, and sometimes, you know, the crazy or the sad part is people often only look at it when there's a problem, you know, when you're facing a problem, whether it's an environmental spill, whether you've been caught out with something, uh, and uh, and that's the wrong way to look at it, you know, the correct way. And I think one of the, one of the schools of thoughts is to do constant brand and company reputational audits all the time you know so certainly on the brand side people do it more than than reputation but i mean i'm you know i, w- I wouldn't say i'm an expert at that but certainly Alikin, in terms of ornica if you don't mind taking us through your version of that uh and then the model that is used that that people can kind of read up and uh and uh, familiarize themselves with okay so then basically what we're looking at in terms of business reputation like you said earlier it's mostly was functional in terms of shareholder maximizations in terms of profits, but then with the development of business, then we we saw a much more focused look at stakeholder relationship management. But basically what business reputation or corporate reputation is, is just a collective of, of opinions or perceptions of consumers regarding a particular corporation or enterprise. But you know, nowadays, when, when you speak of brand reputation, people want to limit it to, to the private sector. But you find that, you know, the parastatals, the state-owned entities are also affected. The NGOs are actually affected in terms of, in terms of reputation. So you find a wide, a wide range of organizations being affected by this. So we just not, not look at the private sector but we actually look at the whole industry as in all the juristic persons, should I say, in legal language, and say, what is their reputation in this marketplace? What are the perceptions of each in individual consumers? So it's a, it's, a, it's a collection of data, and you know it, it happens over a long period of time to actually get a feel of a brand or corporate reputation of an entity. Alexa, how, how does your day begin? I mean, you know, if you, you're getting up in the morning, you're going to start tracking the brand. In the old days, you would have gone for a cup of coffee with a business day and perhaps built or something, and that would have given you a good <laughs> kind of cross-section of, of everything. But, I mean, wh- where do you even begin? Um, because I think, I know in chatting to you as well, I, I perhaps had been misleading myself and, and thinking about it purely in terms of digital tracking. But you made the point, you know, very succinctly that, it's bigger than, than just the digital player. So, so tell us about the process. Where do you begin? So, so, my, so my day roughly actually begins with, you know, like with the evolution of technology. Nowadays, you can, you know, um, in terms of your news updates, um, you download your digital media house apps. And then that's where I get my news from. Then I track and monitor specific brands, either on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and but mostly the conversations tend to happen around the Twitter space. So my day begins at around five, five thirty. 
um, were just swift because uh, through the news internationally and then move into Africa and then South Africa. So that's basically my day before I can even, you know, open up my laptop. So I do this over my phone, then take my doctor to school and then that's about it. So then I come back and then I start my day. So in terms of, in terms of reputation, right? So like I said, um, it's, it's a, it's a very intrinsic value that people tend to, to neglect. And, you know, and it's very essential to actually track and monitor this particular intangible asset of an, of an entity. So, you know, like, um, so where, where you used to find, um, corporations actually, you know, just focusing on financial performance in terms of share performance or profit performance. And then, like, I think the earlier point that was raised as in, you know, like, I grew up in an era where our case study used to be, I think it was the total, was it, was it the BP or total, uh, oil, oil leak. So yeah, it, yeah. it used to, mm, so it used to be, you know, like, a, a, it was a huge story back in the day, but we couldn't actually get the gravity of the situation because media then was was controlled so then this is where we when we come in in terms of the traditional media space so onico started off tracking the traditional media space which included your tv your radio and your online your online sites came in a bit much later so when it comes to reputation you know like we started off from you know like radio and tv so everything that was happening within those actual traditional media spaces, we tried to monitor and we tried to determine what the reputation of each organization was. So, uh, so maybe, maybe that, that should answer in terms of the traditional space. But with the evolution of, you know, like the internet, then comes the digital platforms. So this is where, you know, like, I think where brands were not really prepared from what we saw in terms of reputation management. Yeah, and I think so you, because that. Sorry, Ali, go on. I, I, go on and finish that point. Okay, so in terms of that, so this is where when we saw that brands were not really prepared for for that migration from traditional to to the digital platform. So, unlike now, where, where we see brands actually incorporating a sort of like a digital digital strategy into their communication strategy. Unlike, you know, like 10 years back or five years back where most of these companies were lacking in terms of that. So then this is where we actually see the importance of reputation management in the digital space, not just only limiting it to traditional media because this interact, there's a symbiotic relationship between the two. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, people, I mean, are living and will continue, I guess, for, for some while to live their lives in real time on social media, whether that's real news or fake news is, is another issue. And I think the up the, the up and the downside, I mean, the, the one thing, as you say, you know, your day starts at five and it's very active. Uh, you know, Gordon, I've also run teams that are very active in terms of social listening, social measurement and monitoring. The so the downside is it's an always-on business and you've really got to be on top of it. The upside, though, is that you can also get out of the problem if you have one 
fairly quickly. I'm not saying you're going to solve it, but but you can at least do it quickly. I mean, 10, 15 years ago, and we'd have to call a traditional old school press conference, you know, set up a table with a banner and try and address an issue where we had bad publicity. Now, you know, you can do it reasonably quickly in some sort of electronic format. I think, um, so, so I think certainly that is that that is the good thing. I mean, just on, Gordon, just on the other side, I mean, you know, the case of last year or the year before was the whole Facebook uh, Cambridge Analytica, you know, talking of, of a big social media play and, and uh, some of the reputational damage around that. Um, I don't know if you have a view or Alec, if you have a view on, on you know, a giant that people trusted suddenly was uh, was found to, to not be that trustworthy. Alec, yeah, you chip in there, yeah? Because yeah. I think that was a very sensitive, sensitive topic in terms of, you know, like privacy. When, when you're dealing with data, the golden rule is, you know, like how do you maintain that data to be private and, you know, assure people some sort of like privacy. So we tend to see some corporations actually doing it well. So in terms of um, Apple, you know, you can't just access, you know, an iPhone. So they are more, you know, big on privacy. So with a giant like uh, Facebook coming in and, you know, like, maybe should I say <laughs> violating people's privacy? Yeah. That was, that, was, that was a big issue and a wake-up call. And this is where when we see how it played out in the U.S. elections, and, you know, there was so much controversy around around all of that and the legislation that followed after that. So then this is where we see the importance of, you know, reputation. How do I go onto such platforms and ensure that my data is actually private? It's not being manipulated. And, you know, and this is why you tend to find if there was some other company, you know, like a competitor coming in, they would have actually easily, you know, overtook like what we saw in terms of uh, when they changed the WhatsApp um, plat platform. Mm. So when we saw, um, what is it, is it Telegram yes, coming so. in and mm. there was a big migration to, to Telegram. So then this is where you see the importance of privacy because the selling point of Telegram was well, we, we will ensure your privacy is kept, you know, private. Yeah, so I mean, privacy is an issue um, which is important. Um, I want to just loop back though to the to the broader issue of trust. Um, I've just been working through the Edelman uh, Trust Report for 2021, and it's it's fascinating to to track what's happened over time. So they first begin to identify trust as an issue around about 2003, and 2021, the, the primary theme of the report is the declaration of information bankruptcy, and it's like the complete collapse of trust and interestingly enough um south africa and, and they all work and i'm coming to the point now between uh, the reputational reality gap i think somebody uh described it as this gap between um, the perception and and the delivery south africa has got amongst the 27 countries that were measured the highest gap or, or, or trust gap they call it that and, and and they measure the trust gap between overall trust of government institutions ngos companies ceos a whole a whole raft of things uh, and they and the and the trust gap is trust as manifested by the informed public mm. versus trust that's manifested by the general public who who are not as well informed and we we've got the highest of all well the second highest of all the 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 countries that are measured in terms of our trust gap. 
Uh, Alec, I'm, I'm going to try this on you. What do you think uh, the, the country, the only country of the 27 measure that has got a higher trust gap than we do? In other words, and that's, that's not a compliment. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's not a compliment. But um, it's, it's basically true when, when we tend to actually see it with what's happening within our society as well. And especially reflective of what's going on in the state capital state capture commission and the revelations that are actually coming out of there so then you know like there has been in terms of whether in the private sector or in the state-owned entities there has been you know like um a decline should i say in trust by by the larger populace should i say yep so where you find you know like i think there was a world economic uh, forum report that actually mentioned that on average, more than 25% of a company's market value is directly attributable to its reputation. So, you, you, you know, you tend to understand the value of reputation and therefore the need to addressing that gap. So, so in terms of South Africa lacking, it, it doesn't come as a surprise because as we how we find ourselves in terms of societal issues that are actually going on and economic issues that are also transpiring as well. There is, there is a gap and there is a need for whether it's NGOs, whether it's private entities or whether it's government to actually build trust uh, with the daily citizens. Yeah. Hashtag no filter. That's how this podcast is delivering real down-to-earth stories told by real people. For an influencer campaign that takes brand conversation to everyday real-life situations, go check out thesalt.co.za. They are the undisputed experts in real influencer marketing. So, so the gap here, as I said, we are the second worst in the world. Intriguingly enough, Doc and I kind of defaulted to the same sort of thought process. Mm-hmm. We did the Mexico's, we did the, the Korea, whatever the case may be. It's mm-hmm. actually Australia. The gap between the informed public and the general population in terms of trust across that, that raft of institutions is worse in Australia in, than in South Africa, which I found really intriguing. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have picked that one up. But you're right. I mean, mm-hmm. the question then is, you know, uh, looking at a, another report, I've just been kind of reading up on this trust thing because it's really intrigued me. From Meltwater talked about, you know, they call it the reputation reality gap, perception mm-hmm. versus reality. Uh, and they say there are three things you have to do. One assess the reputation and that's what you are you're doing then you have to evaluate the reality otherwise it's pointless and then the third point they say is mind the gap so all of these papers and all of these models really talk about the gap but none of them seems to address that second point is you know what having identified the depth or the the width of the gap whichever um, axis you're on you know, how do you move clients into the next level and say, okay, do you recommend this is what you've got to do? Um, you know, if, if you have a substandard product, I mean, there's, there's, you know, your reputation's at risk. There's nothing you can do about it. So, how, yeah, how do, you, how do you go about implementing action plans as a base, you know, as a response to this gap? Um, so, in terms of responding to that, um, so this this is where it actually gets even much more complicated because now you, if you are looking at a corporate or you know a large entity, you need to track the whole brand. 
the whole corporation in terms of the reputation. So I can give a specific example and say, let's say, let's look at the motor industry, right? And then we look at a particular company, um, Ford, for example. You know, so what's the overall reputation for Ford as a as an entity? So you might find that is it's actually maybe it, it could be good, but then we subdivide it into you know a particular brand within that particular organization, and we take it down to let's say let's look at maybe the SUV the SUV sector. Let's look at how the Ford Cougar situation affected Ford in terms of that. So then this is where we, we now isolate particular key issues that might affect a brand. And then in terms of sentiment and how consumers are actually communicating and how well com- consumers are informed about what's going on. And in terms of, you know, like there's obviously going to be a reaction as in is the second party well informed or are they actually reacting from a statement from let's say maybe from an influencer, which might not be, you know, true or correct about, about a particular subject. So then this is where, you know, like that particular um, study that you mentioned, the informed and uninformed gap, this is where, you know, like it becomes very crucial to actually track and monitor that and to see who, who is actually much more informed in terms of these conversations around the brand. And then who do you actually direct? Because brands now need to start engaging those particular um, individuals or entities to actually reinforce, you know, their brand equity. Yeah, and I think, you know, you just, uh, absolutely, and I think, you know, you look at a company like Ford, uh, and, and on the other side, and I can't remember the exact number of, of billions of rands now, but I see, you know, a few months ago, they've invested a huge amount of money back into South Africa. I think it's their biggest investment in the country ever. So that's a great thing to build, you know, their, their sort of the brand reputation uh, in South Africa as a, as a company that is, that is really giving in. Where a lot of foreign investors were kind of having a wait-see approach in terms of, of the country. Just, uh, Alec, uh, just recently I saw, uh, Gordon, maybe interesting brand finance you know every year they bring out their top 50 report of, of top brands uh mtn this year the 10th year in a row it's the most valuable brand uh but what is interesting is um the one brand that is now number one in terms of reputation we're speaking about that is checkers you know we've spoken a little bit about checkers yeah. in the past gordon um you know they started repositioning late 2019 they've moved up a slight segment they've ta- they've eaten some of excuse the pun but eaten some of, of Woolworths' <laughs> lunch you know uh and and done really well you know if you look at their numbers you look at the pull through and you look at the consumer sentiment you look at the number of people i saw a stat that 17 million people are now using their extra savings card you know in in something that's launched you know a year or two ago so so fantastic from that point of view so that's a great reputational uh brand story for for checkers and they continue you know they continue to do good stuff yeah 17 million and one because i'm certainly one of them i mean if you had told me two years ago i'd be shopping regularly at checkers not just because of the loyalty card but because uh, the product delivery has improved so much, particularly in their superstores. Um, yeah, yeah I, I would have said you, you, you've got to be kidding. But I mean, it's a marvelous case study. Um, I think one thing which intrigued me was in your description of your day, because in my mind, I'm thinking artificial intelligence. I've probably been watching too many sci-fi <laughs> series, you know. With, but I mean, so there are people who are having to interpret this at a human level as well as just picking up keywords and, and things like that. Um 
looking at uh, the Meltwater Digital Summit, which I attended and courtesy of COVID, long live free conferences, which I can't otherwise <laughs> afford, um, they made the point that there's primary and secondary data, which I thought was kind of interesting. So secondary data we get, you've mentioned it, blogs, articles, um, that kind of stuff, extracting it from social media. But there was emphasis on primary research as well. So looking at focus groups and, and actually doing research, is, is that something that is common uh, in, in terms of your understanding? Do people supplement the, the reading of social media with hard information like that as well? Because um, um, in terms of, you know, getting your primary data, it's something that's actually quite active because I remember back when I was in university, I actually took part um, in some of these focus focus groups for, for big brands, you know, in the banking sector is in particular. So then they would actually want to, should I say, suss out, you know, consumer perceptions around particular products. And, you know, like it was a big thing, but in terms of, you know, the introduction of COVID and how that affects in terms of backing up your, your secondary data, then that's where it lags. Because as we know, Africa lags in terms of, of good data. So most of our studies actually come from whether, you know, outside of Africa, looking into Africa. And this is where when we are actually trying to actually fill in that gap by collecting, by collecting that, that data. So we, we tend to have projects where we, where we speak to consumers and then in terms of conversations around the digital platform and try to use that particular data to actually back up what we are actually talking about. So then that, that's where it actually becomes important because this is where you need aggregated data that actually very, that's very informative that can actually give a realistic view of what's actually happening on the ground. Yeah, I, I want to also just pick up uh, quickly as we start kind of winding uh, down, Doc, on, on how new is all of this kind of this thinking. I mean, I tossed something at you the other day, Professor Mariana Matsukuta, or Matsukatu, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce it, who has been consulting to the ANC and to and, and, and even to the, to the state president, uh, Soro Ramaphosa, on the issue of the shift from shareholder uh, interest to stakeholder capitalism. And, and I was quoting, you know, by, I was trying to show off in front of you, mission economy moonshot guard <laughs> to capitalism. And you hit me on the head with your textbook from 30 years ago and said nothing uh, new and under the sun. So just take us through. Is, is this new? A lot of it isn't good. And, you know, I mean, years ago, when I say years ago, I pulled out just three arbitrary textbooks uh, out of my book rack. Uh, and these are books from... 1990, my honors year. Uh, there was an earlier book in 85 and uh, 2000, okay? And they all talk around the same thing. They talk about the move from, you know, absolute uh, share. Certainly when I started university, it was the one thing that was drummed into us in BCom was the sole goal of the firm is shareholder wealth maximization. And everyone else has to stand in the mm. queue. Um, and through the years, that changed. Now, back in the 1930s, there's a book that talks about America in the 1930s and the various phases of... Um, 
concern that organizations have for their greater constituents. So again, it's not new. I mean, it's gone from from that. You know, there was a, there was a saying certainly when I was doing my MBA in 1995. Triple bottom line, three P's: people, profit, planet. So there was a big move towards that, and now still today in 2021, we're talking about that like it's new. So not so the the article's nicely written. I did read the article, uh, but uh, yeah, you know, not absolutely new. It's it's Gordon. It's not having the rule. It's enforcing the rule. We know that. Yeah. You know, a lot of people know the right thing to do. It's to do the right thing. Uh, and I mean, the cases are all around us, you know? Yeah, it's like it's like not eating Smarties. I know I'm not supposed to. But, uh, <laughs> so, uh, Alec, me, let, let's toss this back at you. So, I'm sticking with uh, Professor Matsukatu. And she makes the point about doing things differently uh, from a reputation point of view. You have to see things differently. You have to do things differently. You have to collaborate differently, which I thought was an intriguing point, and then redistribute the wealth differently. Do they, I mean, do you see your winning clients where you are picking up clients that you're monitoring and reading? Do, do, do you intuitively feel that they manifest those kinds of, those principles, seeing, doing, and collaborating and redistributing differently? Um, you know, um, for some clients where they've been subscribed with us, let's say maybe for, for a period of roughly two, three years. So y- you see the strategy actually working, especially like in the in the in the in the public sector. Um especially now after the revelations uh, around state capture and the need to actually engage with various stakeholders to ensure what we earlier on spoke about in terms of trust, you know, then how do you actually go? how do you actually trust a particular entity then for people to actually start you know believing in in government again so we actually see some sort of like shift in terms of perceptions you know slightly becoming positive and because this is you know like an a deliberate strategy in terms of trying of entities trying to showcase what they are actually capable of and being sensitive also to certain societal societal needs and trying to actually close that particular gap. So then we are actually trying to see a shift in terms of that. So then uh, uh, maybe in terms of, you know, like in terms of prosecutions from 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 the state capture or from certain key, you know, there was a lot of mm. conversation around that. Yep. And then we saw people getting arrested, people being successfully prosecuted. Then, you know, like there, there is some sort of like, you know, ease, but it's, it's, it's a long way. It's a long way yeah. to go. Yeah. Well, I don't want to get arrested for running over time. I'm going to let the doc wrap up in a moment. But I mean, I do, I've I, I found so many interesting insights on this this topic. Uh, all of them, I think you made the point, doc. We all know what to do. It's just doing what we know we're yeah. supposed to do. Uh, that's the thing. Lead with facts, act with empathy. I thought that was a really nice wrap up. And also an observation from Abraham Lincoln, which, which I thought to talk about how old and this thing is. Yeah. He said that, you know, Character is like a tree. Reputation is merely its shadow. Mm. You cannot just manage your reputation. What you have to do is ensure that your character is intact and your integrity is intact. So I think I'm going to leave it at that. And Alec, just one last thing before the doc does the wrap. Uh, Guys can get hold of you on the Ornico Ornico website. It's probably the best bet. Yes, that's the the best bet. OrnicoCrop.co.za that's where they can actually get hold of us uh, or follow us on any social me- media platforms. 
Great stuff. Alex, well, thank, uh, thank you so much for joining us, Doc. You're going to do the wrap for us. Yeah, um, Alex, thanks. Uh, and just, Gordon, before we go, and I know we may run a minute over, but I know this is a passion of yours. I mean, just talking of reputation damage into the British soccer, I mean, the football oh, yeah, league, I mean, yeah, yeah. that whole breakaway <laughs> super league, I mean, there there was a massive fallout. <laughs> and I mean, you look at, you know, some of the stuff you can understand and I can understand. Some of it you don't condone is, is the violence and the pitch invasion in Manchester, certainly game being called off. But I mean, I know you're close and, and unfortunately your team was was one of the culprits yeah look i mean it, for me it's unforgivable it is uh it is a measure of uh how the money has distanced itself from from the heart and, and the soul of, of, the, of the supporters i'm just waiting to see what the outcome is because uh uefa and the various governing bodies have, have made it clear that there may well be punitive measures and uh it would be quite amusing to me given that my side behaved like mud this year and got nothing mm. um so losing points can make no difference <laughs> but i mean it would be an awful thing if they did yeah. deduct points yeah. and they were talking about deducting points um and you know maybe leeds will end up the the premier championships uh, you mm. know winners this year but i mean yeah there has to be a punitive measure whether it's a governing body that's mm. going to implement the punitive measure or a customer who just says no i've had a bad experience i'm walking away reputation there's a price to pay somewhere if you screw up on your reputation yeah and i think you know we saw it you know uh, two years ago with saracens on the rugby side you know when they were uh, put into the first division from the premier from the the premiership you know yeah. for for going over the salary cap so it can happen you yeah, know Glasgow like, Rangers. Think stranger, yeah, stranger plenty, things plenty of examples yeah. yeah we are running tight gordon just a last positive i'm gonna end with a positive note um on staying with British football, I mean, BT now have come out with a campaign, uh, the whole anti-hate campaign of bullying, you know, online bullying. I mean, the, the, the players have been quite outspoken, clubs have been quite outspoken, and they've uh, recently launched Hope United, you know, where hope will beat hate, and and they've got a whole lot of prominent players talking about how they've been abused on uh, on a social platform. So again, you know, and I think we've touched on that before, how easy it is for people to bully on the end of a phone because you're brave. You know, you probably wouldn't say that face-to-face to somebody. So that's a great initiative on the positive side of reputation, BT embracing, uh, you know, embracing that notion of saying there's no place for, for online bullying. Absolutely. I love it. And uh, again, a thought from the readings, whatever you do, don't try and do it alone. I think you've got to bring everybody on sides, whether you're a brand, whether you're a company, whether you're a football side, whether you're the... Uh, you know our national cricket side yeah. i mean there it would be a case study in reputational damage yeah. and that would be worth looking at but That's whatever whatever the solution is yeah. i don't know but i know it's not going it alone yeah. so alec once again thanks for joining us fantastic input and we look forward to uh seeing you next week doc thanks alec thanks for your time yeah for all our listeners out there please write uh be part of the conversation. Get all of us on social platforms. Uh, give us ideas of people you'd like to hear on the show. Uh, we always welcome that. And yeah, Alec, thanks very much for your time. We really do appreciate it. Until next week, we'll see you then. Yeah, thank you, Doc. Thank you, Pardon. And so that was another episode of The Doc and the Guru. Please don't uh, forget to get a hold of us on Facebook. Like us, follow us, uh, subscribe to the podcast. And then from my side, you can get a hold of me on LinkedIn, Dr. Doug Matthias. I'm uh, very active and very keen to hear about your views uh, and certainly will respond. And hopefully we can bring that into the show. Thanks, Doc. And it's uh, Gordon Miller, the guru, signing off. Thank you for being with us and listening into this podcast today. You can pick up the discussion with me on my Twitter handle, at Mzanzi Media. 
and I'd love to engage with you on any of the issues that we've taken on in the show. And take us at our word. This is really going to be an open forum. There are no subjects that are taboo. And we'd love to have some of the younger, more under-listened, if that's the correct phrase, uh, voices to join us uh, in this discussion. Thanks for your time. This podcast series has been made possible by The Salt, the influencer company that turns influence into affluence. In the same way that information is presented in this podcast in a relatable and authentic way, The Salt gets your customers to tell their real brand stories to their community. Go to thesalt.co.za to learn more about how The Salt can help you grow your business.